everyone, this is April Hansen, the Associate Editor for Arkansas Catholic, and you are listening to Arkansas Catholic Asks, a podcast where we interview our newsmakers in the church about what matters most to you. And as Catholics, we're in the sacred season of Lent right now, which can allow us to really take a needed spiritual break, you know, from the hectic nature of our daily lives and connect with God on a deeper level. So we're going to talk about some ways to make this Lent meaningful with our guest, Monsignor Scott Friend, who is the Diocese of Little Rock Vocations Director and Minister to Priest. So welcome, Monsignor Friend. Thank you. It's good to be here. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, let's start out with kind of a Lent-related icebreaker question. So a part of Lent is fasting, and we spoke about this recently for an article in Arkansas Catholic newspaper on fasting, and our listeners can go back and check that out in our uh, February 29th print edition or our free digital edition. But tell me, what is the toughest Lenten fast you've ever done? Well, um, this was in 2017. So I have multiple sclerosis. And to uh, that particular illness, they they do two things. One is they treat the disease, and then they treat the symptoms. And so um, they usually do that. There's different medications that are used. Um, And so by the time 2017, I probably had, had MS at that point by... Oh, maybe at 14 years, 13, 14 years, being diagnosed somewhere in there, 13 to 15 years. So um, one of the things that uh, for treating the symptoms, I was taking a lot of medication. Um, part of that was um, uh, opioids, uh, two different types of opioids that I'd been prescribed to deal with pain issues, as well as things to deal with uh, spasms. So one of those would have been Valium. And then uh, another drug, Provigil, which was to help stay focused, plus several other things. And um, as I had kind of uh, prayed about Lent, uh, one of the things that I kind of realized is that taking all that medication was just uh, not real sustainable. And I felt that it was uh, just out of some things that had happened. I made the choice to get off of all the medication I was taking. That's not the, the part that was treating the, the disease. Uh, this was to treat the symptoms that I that I had and continue to have. So, uh, because of the, of the nature of the of the medications I was taking, I stair stepped them down, which I had to do to do it in a safe way. But I decided to do it for Lent of 2017. So, um, uh, so over the course of that Lent. And I really felt, too, that the, this was something that the Lord was calling me to do at this particular point in my life. So I, um, I stair-stepped him down during Lent. On Holy Thursday of that uh, year, I was at uh, St. Meinrad. I had to go for a meeting up there, and we were celebrating Mass for Holy Thursday. And in the apse of the church, there's a beautiful um, fresco of Christ, uh, the high priest, and as I was kind of looking at the Lord during the uh, Last Supper, he, he's, uh, we were having the celebration of the Lord's last, the Supper, Last Supper, the Lord said to me, okay, we're finished. And I think I'd gotten down to about half a pill of one of the opioids. Most of everything else I finished, so that was the end. And uh, really the grace of it was, I mean, some of these drugs have been taken for quite a while, and they can be addictive. Oh, absolutely. But... Um, you know, once, uh, and this is just the real grace of it, because once the, 
I mean, I was done, and it was done. And so uh, it really was important because I, it was really causing me um, not to be able to function in, in what I was doing. And I could see that it was just, it was taking really my life away from the standpoint that taking that much medication, which I was on, was just, it, it was really hard to, to continue a daily kind of task and paying attention, things you have to do. So it really was like a rebirth at Easter because I had, um, had uh, by the time Easter had arrived, I had not, I was not taking any more medication. I didn't really have any problems at all with withdrawal uh, symptoms or anything of that nature. And, um, and so, you know, it was really, in some sense, very miraculous in my life, but it was something that the Lord was just time. So the Lord, you know, we're taking a different approach to um, how I'm going to deliver my disease. So currently today, I don't take anything at all for MS other than I had a treatment uh, several years ago with uh, a chemotherapy that they do. You do a week, one year, and a half a week the next. And it's supposed to hopefully keep me in remission. So, so far, so good. But uh, it was really great to be able to let go of that. And very much... Uh, directed by the Lord in my life, you know, letting me, uh, talking to me, let me know what I needed to do. And it was, it was uh, really not that hard. I was kind of motivated first off. And then secondly, I just knew that this is what the Lord was calling me to do. So just surrendering to that. And, and uh, it was important how it changed my life. Well, and that's really amazing to me just because there are so many people that are on opioids or different medications for different ailments. Yeah. And I think um, it's kind of a unique fast. I mean, especially to do that during Lent, to really commit to that and kind of commit your suffering, you know, to Christ and the cross. I know that we've kind of talked about that a little bit mm -hmm. um, in your suffering. So I think that's that's pretty inspiring. And, and that's what I do want to talk about in terms of different types of unique fasting. Um, but I also want to talk about the different components of Lent and kind of what they're really meant to do in our lives. So that would mean fasting and abstinence, penance, and almsgiving. Um, but I do want to first ask, because I do think it's interesting culturally, that Catholics tend to flock to Ash Wednesday Mass, which is not a holy day of obligation, but even even more so than other holy days, they'll go to Ash Wednesday. So why do you think Catholics, even ones that might not practice consistently are drawn to Lent? Well, I think in, it is important and for all of us as humans, we recognize that we have a need for reform, a need for repentance, a need for conversion. And so Ash Wednesday reminds us of who we are. And I think that um, you have to be pretty obtuse to think that you're not in need of any kind of reform or change in your life. Just ask everyone's around you. They'll be glad to give you a list. <laughs> and so I, I do think that, um, that it, uh, it helps us. It's something, it, it's, it speaks to us at the very center of our being that, that uh, we have to come to recognize we're not God. And secondly, it, it helps us to recognize that, um, you know, we, uh, who we are. And so I think people become especially aware of that and acknowledge that at least as a, as, as a time to um, begin to make a change in life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, and I want to kind of build off, of course, you know, let's get into fasting, first of all. You know, um, 
obviously our next um, days of fast and abstinence specifically is going to be Good Friday, um, in which the church, you know, law allows one full meal and two smaller ones and prohibits the eating of meat. But as we've discussed recently, I think fasting has been largely misunderstood or possibly a practice Catholics don't really put much thought into um, because it's more, you know, it's more than giving up chocolate. Mm. <laughs> so let's talk about how can Catholics make that spiritual connection to the Lord through fasting. Well, one of the things that I think, uh, you know, we often look at when we look at what do I'm going to give up, what I'm going to fast, and sometimes we just do what we've always done. And so we can be a little bit, that that's really not, we're missing the opportunity to go deeper inside of us to really see what we're attached to that keeps us from having the internal freedom we need to be able to love as God loves. And so the whole point of all of this is to live a more Christian life, to live more of us as a disciple of Jesus, to live our faith more fully, and it's to gain interior freedom to be able to love more. So, um, or love more like the Lord does. Let's put that little caveat on because <laughs> it's important for us. So I think, you know, one of the things that you know, people often you know, hear people, oh, I'm giving up candy this year. Okay, that was great in grade school, but you're an adult now. <laughs> so I doubt that that's what's causing your, uh, your demise. It might be, but probably there's something more. So one of the things you can do, you know, is ask the people around you. This is a tough question, though, but to ask people around you, like in our families, you know, what is something that I need to fast from? And, and see what everyone says. You might be surprised that they will touch on things that we do as, a, as sort of a habit, if people can be honest with you, and, and, and a habit that we might have, have and that we don't realize that we're doing, that, um, that, we need to, uh, that we might need to fast from. So for instance, you know, maybe one of the things that if we talk to our family, you know, they may say that, well, we can be, we tend to be um, maybe overly critical. So start fasting from uh, the criticisms that we do and try to find a different way perhaps to be positive about things that we're giving feedback to people and things of that nature. Or, you know, parents I'm sure have lists for their kids, but kids may also have a list for their parents. So it might be something to talk about it as a family, it might be talking about it with people that, you know, you, you are around and they, can, and they can maybe help you to see certain things. Obviously today, I think it's really important for us uh, to look at the media, social media, or phones that we're using. And maybe it's just to cut down the hours that we're using it every day. Um, and so, you know, you can, there's ways to monitor that. But, um, and it also may be, um, I think, to fast from things. If we look around us, we can see, for instance, if our television is on all day on a 24-hour news channel, that's probably the very first thing that we need to fast from because it's so detrimental to have that on all the time. It's detrimental to a spiritual life. So we need to look at those kinds of things to see. Maybe we need to fast from noise. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, I noticed this, at least in Little Rock, is how many people um, will uh, get through the, what I will say, the orange-red light, which is more on the red tinge than the yellow tinge, uh, because we're in a hurry. 
and we put other people at danger. We're unaware. So, you know, even things like in our car, the way that we drive might show some of the attachments that we have, like being impatient, um, like, uh, you know, being in too much of a hurry, trying to get there first, uh, all the kind of things that we we do with that. So, you know, one, one way to fast during this Lent season, which it would not be easy, five miles under the speed limit. Mm. And so well, that to, one got me. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, fasting from uh, driving too fast and just maybe slowing down about five miles under the speed limit and see what the world looks like when you go a little bit slower. So those are things that can help us to see, you know, how, how am I, what am I attached to? How is it that my ego, um, what is it that it doesn't want to let go of so that God can fill that space? And so, you know, that's the whole purpose of Lent is really it's to, it's to grow in, in our um, relationship with Jesus. It's to be able to love more like he does. And you have to have interior freedom to do that. So that's why this time is really important. Help us to pay attention to those things. Well, those are great ideas. And I think, you know, especially if anyone's listening to this podcast while they're driving, <laughs> that might well, hit slow them. Slow down. Yes. <laughs> well, let's talk about uh, penance. You know, obviously this is a big part of Lent and, you know, many parishes will hold reconciliation services, you know, to allow more time for confession. And I know in 2015, a Pew Research survey revealed only four in 10 Catholics, about 43% go to confession at least once a year. Mm-hmm. So, what are some of the tips for making a meaningful confession, you know, especially for people that may not have been for a long time? Okay. Well, that's a good question. I, I think that, uh, first of all, I would say this. Going to confession more often is really vital for a good spiritual life and to help us to grow an awareness about our relationship with God um, much on a daily basis. So there are several things that you can do. One is... If you haven't been to confession in a while, um, obviously go. Ultimately, all of us need to go. And so, um, you know, we find lots of reasons not to. And if we haven't been in a while, uh, the priest is going to help us with um, our confession. So if we don't remember the act of contrition, if we don't remember exactly the form of confession, really two things we have to pay attention to. When was the last time I went to confession? Now, if it's been many, many years, well, make your best guess as to how many years that's been so that you can let the priest know that this is, we're gonna, this is gonna be something that's gonna you know, help you, he's gonna help you through it. And secondly, it's also remember the priest in the confessional is not the judge. It's the, the priest that's there, first off, he's a sinner just like you are, because uh, we're all, that's part of our human condition. And the priest is not there to, to yell at you, get on to you, but to really accompany you and helping you in your faith journey to be able to bring out to the Lord what you would like to be sacramentally forgiven for. And we also have to remember that the grace that comes in uh, confession, the sanctifying grace that comes with the sacrament of reconciliation is to, for the forgiveness of our sins, but it's also for our conversion. And so it's important to remember that in confessions where we get that that sanctifying grace for that, so we have to, we should avail ourselves of it. It's something that the Lord offers to us. So I think uh, it's, you know, the fear factor we have to deal with because we all, you know, have it. And sometimes if it's been a while, our fear 
can really cause us to not go. And so we have to look at it through faith, not through fear. And recognize that when we feel that little bit of nudging inside of us, it's really the Lord who's desiring for us to come back to him and is trying to move our hearts uh, to be able to uh, also desire that for ourselves. So I, you know, one of the things that's good to do is to make a list, okay? And, and you can do that. There's all kinds of ways to do a, you know, examine of our conscience and to be able to just look or use the Ten Commandments and just look on the things that, that might fall underneath there. But trying to have a list can help us that when we get in there, all of a sudden we don't go blank. We have it there. And especially if it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, uh, and, you know, to make sure you keep your list... Um, you don't want to take it, you want to destroy it when you get done with it, not keep carrying it around. Because it's not, you know, we have to let go of those sins. So sometimes that can be a little bit of a symbolic thing as we shred it, put it in the fire, whatever we're going to do to, to get rid of our list. But, but it's really just to help to jog our memory. And the second thing I think that is, is important with, with reconciliation that can help with it is to go more often. And maybe during Lent might be a good time to say, okay, I'm going to um, try to go twice during the Lenten season, not just once. So I'm pushing a little bit more. So I think it's good for at least folks to, obviously, if we have very serious sin, we need to confess that as soon as possible. But but, um, it's good for us, I think, to go on a regular basis. So for myself, I do that every month um, for... um, so, you know, I just find that that's what's helpful for me. Um, if uh, otherwise, you know, I would say at least every time the seasons change is a good reminder to go into and to make time to go to confession. So finding regular times helps us to be able to keep afresh. What is it that I'm working on? How, what is it that I'm, I'm trying to reform in my life with God's grace? And all of that's the same thing we talked about with fasting to help me to be able to live more fully my life as a disciple of Jesus and to be able to love like the Lord does. So that reconciliation is really to help me to do that. Um, and uh, obviously for my life of salvation. Absolutely. I really like that idea of when the seasons change too. So when we set our clocks, you know, <laughs> back right. into, or when the weather changes, um, that's, that's definitely a good reminder. Yes. And I will say this too. I think that a lot of parishes, uh, you know, they make times for confession um, is, is very helpful. So it's, it's really good sometimes to have a regular confessor. Sometimes that might be your, your pastor or the associate that works there, but to, to really be able to help us develop relationships there that help us to be able to go. And I do know a lot of parishes. I mean, I guess it depends on the size too, but I've always known that you can call a priest mm-hmm. and, you know, set aside a time for confession sure. if there isn't one, you know, that really works yes. with their schedules. So. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's really important to remember three minutes before mass, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> right. So, you know, because we have to be preparing for mass. So I really encourage people, you know, you to, to, um, set a good time. If you, if you really want to go meet with the priest, set a time with them. Uh, or if, they're, if you're able to catch them, uh, but you know, set it up so that it becomes, make it user-friendly for yourself. 
Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, let's talk about almsgiving. You know, that's obviously another Lenten sacrifice of donating money or goods to the poor and performing acts of charity. Um, so I'm sure each Catholic can, you know, donate towards the various Lenten collections that the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops will have throughout Lent um, or find a charity that's close to their heart. But I really want to talk to you a little bit about something that affects every Catholic in Arkansas, and that's, you know, vocation, the Vocations and Seminarians Fund. Yes. So why are vocations something that Catholics should consider donating to this Lent, and where does their money go specifically? Okay. Well, uh, the it's important for us, without priests, we don't have the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and, and priests are very important for us in our daily life, especially in our parish life, and so uh, we need priests. We need good priests. We need well-formed priests. And so that that means we have to make an investment in it. And really all of us in the diocese have to be promoting vocations. All of us in the diocese have to be, and one of the ways we do that is by all of us living our faith as disciples. So um, that in one sense heavily promotes vocations because young people are able to see, gosh, you know, I'm watching all these folks around me and it's, you know, their faith life is important to them and it challenges me to look at my own. So it's important for all of us to be plugged in that way. So, so the other thing that happens when uh, we um, we try we send our guys to different places for study. So in college, most of our guys are actually now here in Little Rock at the House of Formation, and we've been able to reduce our costs quite a bit by having it at home. But we I think we do a really good job of forming our our, our seminarians at the college level here in Little Rock, and we have. All kinds of people involved in that, lay people as well as uh, priests, as well as uh, religious different folks who are helping us out. So what happens is we we have to be able, so when someone donates to the fund, it all goes actually, uh, you can do it several ways, but one way is you just pay, help uh, send in a donation, and that helps us to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And it directly goes to pay for seminary formation, whether it's for tuition, room and board, books, the health insurance that we have to provide for for our young guys, our seminarians, and and the cost that we have uh, to administrate our our vocation program. So it's all directly going to form priests for our diocese. And and so that's a way to to give alms. And it's not just going to affect... for instance, yourself, it's going to affect the whole diocese and all the people that, and it, not just for today, but as long as those guys are uh, uh, celebrating masses as priests until they die, what we what we invest in now will affect up to f- as much as 50 years or more in the future once a guy gets ordained. It's a great investment. <laughs> for sure. Um, and it goes beyond just our generation. It touches second, third, fourth generations sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so that uh, it, it's vital for us to have a good programs for our guys and that they, there's a lot they have to learn. And it takes six to eight years in the seminary for all the things that we work on. And, and this really helps us to be able to carry out that mission that we all have to, to help form our priests and to help form our seminarians for for uh, ministry as, as the Lord's being called to, uh, calling us to do. So even though the Lord might call, say, John to be a seminarian and, and, and to be, a, I mean, not to be a seminarian, but to be a priest, he can't do that alone. 
it, it, it takes the, the church, and that's all of us, to be able to help that young, young man to realize what God is calling him to do. Without our help, it's not going to happen. So we all have to be involved in that. And, and so uh, you also can give to the foundation. And that foundation, we don't spend what's been donated, but we invest it. And the interest from that is what we use to help also that's some, another source of income for us. So the people of the diocese have done an incredible job. Last year, we were able to pay all our bills without even having to, to dip into the uh, foundation. And That's so, amazing. yeah, and, and we have those wonderful people in, the, in, 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 the, in all of Christendom here in the Diocese of Little Rock. And I'm just really grateful um, to what everyone is doing here. So it's a big, it's a great way to give alms that's going to help lots of people in the future as well as today. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned that they, you know, obviously get a lot of their formation in Little Rock, but tell me where, um, they're obviously St. Meinrad in Indiana. Correct. And then where else do we have seminarians? We have, um, at St. Meinrad, we have six guys currently studying and they are all in theology. So two of the guys will be actually getting ordained to priest, priesthood this May which is uh, Deacon Daniel Velasco and Deacon Joseph Friend. And the other four guys that are there right now will be ordained deacons this year. And so they've got only an, an, another two years before they'll be a priest. So that's Emmanuel Torres, Omar Galvan, Brian Kando, and, um, and uh, Ben Riley. And then we also send guys to Assumption Seminary in San Antonio, Texas. We have eight guys studying there right now. There's two in college and uh, six in theology. One of those uh, is Alex Smith, who will also be ordained to the diaconate this year. So um, in, in Assumption, we um, also have guys in college. We have two guys, partly because the house of formation is full. Ah, and so, well, that's which a, good is a good problem thing. to have. <laughs> Actually, it's over full. Yeah. But uh, so we have... Um, Two of the, the guys there. What's great about it is I don't have to go to another seminary for college that it's all there. Our guys can be together. And we really want our guys to be together because it helps them to build fraternity together, uh, an intentional fraternity where they're really looking out for each other. And we have to learn how to do that. So it's, it's important for uh, us as priests, too, so to develop the good, strong community together. Absolutely. Well, and now remind me how many. I'm going to say the Diocese of Little Rock has 27 seminaries. That's correct. Is that correct? Wonderful. Well, and I know, as you mentioned, two are scheduled to be ordained to the priesthood in May, including your nephew, Deacon correct. Joseph Friend. Yes. Um, so I know you're very proud of that, yes. I'm sure. Yes. But what can you say about the spirituality of all the seminarians? Well, uh, what, what uh, we, the charisms that we emphasize are what we find within our priests. And so there are several of them that I'll mention here that I think are important. One is that they're in love with Jesus and it's clear that they're in love with Jesus without them having to say it. And so that means that the way that they're living their life, first and foremost, they have to be good disciples of the Lord Jesus. And so, and they have to be in love with him. And they have to be in love, um, not just with his works, but with him. And that relationship has to be strong and ongoing. So that's number one. Uh, we also want them to have a missionary spirit. And that means that 
Um, you know, we're not sitting around in the office waiting for people to come to us, um, but we are going out to people and we're, and we're being disposable to what's needed at the moment. So when someone knocks on the door and they need us, even though they may not, quote unquote, have an appointment, you know, we're going to make, there's room for everyone in our heart. And so that means that we, we respond to what's right in front of us as well as what other things that we need to do. So I think that that's really important for our guys. The third thing that uh, we want them to have is what's called an intentional fraternity, as I mentioned before. And so one of the things that we have to do with our guys is, is we want them to be formed like trees in a forest where they, they support each other and hold each other up. Now, they also have to have good roots and uh, things each individually, like a tree in a, in a yard, uh, that maybe is growing alone. They, the trees grow differently if they are in a forest or if they're all by themselves. And we have to have both and we have to both ways. So it's important for us to look out for each other. So that's one of the other things that we emphasize. So those are just three things that I would, would say make a part of what our, um, our charisms are and the spirituality that we are called to have. Absolutely. Well, obviously, you know, as we've talked about, that's a, a great cause to donate toward. And remind us again how they can donate. They can mail or can yes. they do through the website? Or yes. Anything? If they go to the website, they can they can give that way. You can you, uh, you can send a check in to the, the Dices, the little, make it to the Dices of Little Rock, write vocations on that memo, and just let us know if, we want, if you want it to just go for the uh, general fund. Uh, the education this year, seminary education, this this year, and that's and that will all be spent for that. Or if you want it to go into the foundation, you just need to put that on there as well. And either way, you know, we'll we'll make sure and get your check to where you desire it to go. Mm-hmm. So that's all going to go to helping um, pay for the formation that we need for our young uh, seminarians to become priests. So. And uh, again, that website, it's our Diocese of Little Rock website. So that's dolr.org. And I want to thank you for taking the time to, you know, chat with me today. And, you know, I hope our listeners have learned some ways to make this Lent, you know, a more spiritually fulfilling journey. And, you know, we end all our podcasts with a prayer relating to the day's topic. And Monsignor Friend will lead us in the Soul of Christ prayer, which was written by Father David Fleming, um, which you mentioned that is something that you've turned to in fasting before. Yes, this is a prayer. For, it's actually Ignatius is the one who, who wrote this particular prayer that David Fleming is using. But he took it to make it into more modern day English to help us to better understand what uh, Ignatius is asking for. And Ignatius talks about praying this prayer every day, especially if you're doing the exercises. But it's a great prayer to pray every day. Wonderful. So let's go ahead and pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, may all that is you flow into me. May your body and blood be my food and drink. May your passion and death be my strength and life. Jesus, with you by my side, enough has been given. May the shelter I seek be the shadow of your cross. Let me not run from the love which you offer, but hold me safe from the forces of evil. On each of my dyings, shed your light and your love. Keep calling to me until that day comes when with your saints 
I may praise you forever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, Monsignor Friend. I really appreciate it. Yes, a happy Lent to everyone. Absolutely. And remember to like and subscribe to Arkansas Catholic Asks Podcast and follow Arkansas Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, arkansas-catholic.org. And you can subscribe to our print edition to support our ministry or subscribe to our free digital edition through our website. Be sure to check back for future episodes of Arkansas Catholic Asks.